Hi, I'm Mr. Wagner and you're listening to the From Arthur Seed podcast, a short series about writing that ties in with From Arthur Seed 2019, an anthology of prose and poetry. In each episode, we talk with an author whose work is published in the anthology and will listen to their story or poems. This episode features Milagros Lazarte. If you're talking to a friend, you don't always like if, if you have a very in-depth conversation, you go towards um, things that are bothering you. When you're happy, you're just happy and you don't really explore that. We talk about the importance of plotting and letting the character speak for themselves. Her story, The Beep, or The Beep, as I should say, is an example of our approach to writing. I think you'll enjoy it. Welcome, Milagros. Thank you. I really enjoyed the, the piece that you submitted to from Arthur Seed. The you. beep. Yeah. Especially hearing it <laughs> from you, but also from John Reed, who will actually read it in this episode. It's it's a pleasure. It's <laughs> Pleasure and torture at the same time. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> when uh, when John recorded it, it was um, it was intense. It was also very funny because there's a lot of beeps in there. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll we'll talk about the story later. Um, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Excited to start writing new projects as well. Mind you, decide if I'm doing a novella or a novel, which is a hard decision. It's but... well. At one point, I guess you'll just start writing and see how what the, what the yeah, length yeah. is going to be, right? Yeah, but yeah. I think that you need to know at first, like what, how long is it going to be? Right. Because otherwise, I mean, at least for me, because I'm someone who needs to have a plan. You you actually plan everything. Yeah, I do. I plan a lot. Do you do that for short stories too? Yeah, all the time. I cannot start writing if I don't know, um, if I don't have like an idea of where I'm going. Because hmm. otherwise it's like, I get lost because I'm also always in the minds of characters. So if I don't know where I'm taking them, I don't know what to write next. Hmm. Doesn't it sometimes feel like you're a puppet master instead of the characters living on their own? It can feel like that, but uh, usually I just get inside the head of the character. So it's mostly me trying to understand how the character is feeling. Mm. So, yeah, it's kind of like if you are having like a tough day or something and um, you're trying to understand what how you're feeling. So you kind of pause and you're like, why am I feeling this way? Or maybe because this happened before. Mm. So... In the stories, you might not always see everything that um, happened to the character beforehand while you're getting to this point in their life. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I need to know that. Right. So to I'm actually be able yeah. to understand your characters. Yeah. So I'm always pausing and trying to understand and maybe backtracking a little, adding a lot of details that don't end up being in the story, but that I need to know mm-hmm. so that I can write it. Well, that also makes your plotting even more difficult because you kind of have to plot or think twice the length of the actual yes. story that you're writing yes it is i have a lot of notebooks with a lot of information that i'm never going to use ah. but that for me is very important but maybe if once this project is going to be finished and once it gets published and you're and it's good super popular obviously yeah then you can publish this extra the note yeah, exactly yeah, the, the notes of all the of these characters <laughs> unless like some there are things a lot of things i end up changing Right. So well, that's also cool. That. Though. I mean, I really enjoy reading a book or watching a movie and then seeing how stuff changed. Yeah. That, for example, Luke Skywalker for like a month in Star Wars was supposed to be a girl, for example, these kind of things. Or at least there was this one artwork. Yeah, yeah. These kind of things I really enjoy. Just seeing the whole process of, of, 
of how that changed. Yeah, even for me, it's kind of funny try going back to some of the things that I wrote at the very beginning when I started a story, right. and then realizing how I changed it. Yeah, that's also. Do you actually save all your different drafts as separate documents? I always start on paper. Okay. Uh, for some reason, like I don't like seeing the blank page, but it it's fine when it's on paper. Um, so I have I always write things down, and then I have a few drafts that I keep on my laptop, uh, just in case I decide to actually go back to something right. that I wrote at first, and then I changed it. And so I keep some of the things on my laptop, but I have all the notebooks at hand. I should probably start throwing things away because I have a lot of like stacks of paper. <laughs> Do, can you but, actually find stuff once you've once you've used it? Yeah, because I'm very organized. So well, I that find kind of things. <laughs> it kind of shows in the way you approach stories, I suppose. So where do you start off when you when you approach a new project, or where, for example, does this spark of inspiration come from? I usually have like an image in my mind, um, and for some reason I find it. Uh, very compelling mm. and I'm trying to see why I find it compelling and so it starts developing um, and yeah and I just kind of like trickles down into various things and I start adding layers and layers to it and it becomes very complicated but um, and do you then cut down on the complicatedness or no that's the it? problem I have to like put everything in the oh, story. that's dangerous. And that's why people are... Well, then it, I, if yeah. that's the case with this project, it's definitely going to be a novel. Yeah, probably, because I also have a lot of characters as well. So. It's got to be a trilogy <laughs> or something. Then. Maybe. We'll Who see, knows? we'll see. But it's exciting to yeah. have a project and not know yet where it's going, but um, just like figuring out the characters, the places, and etc. When you have this snapshot that is really compelling to you... Yeah. I mean, obviously, you, you have more faults than just that snapshot. What what generally makes these particular snapshots uh, so compelling to you? Um, usually, so compelling. it's because I identified as a scene I would see in a movie or a TV show. And I'm not sure. I just like see the whole... Um, this might sound weird, but I see like the lighting and things like that. And I feel just like when you're in the cinema, right. there's... A moment and you're like really into that moment and I just get taken into the story right it's very visual for some reason I'm not really visual for other things um, but for that I feel like I need to start with a very like a snapshot of something. a vivid scene and yeah. then it starts growing from there yeah hmm. yeah I feel like a lot of people think sometimes in, terms in movies of, yeah. yeah movies or TV shows now that are starting to go into really long things exactly um, all these serialized kind of uh, yeah but even things. like episodes now are like hours long all of these snapshots are also going to be put in like episodes yeah. <laughs> i sort of asked this before but what are the kind of things that compel you i mean it's obviously this sort of scene that you yeah. see but what about these scenes is it that compels you usually it's um the character in itself the character that's yeah. in that in it. it's okay. all, for me it has always been characters um, I mean, I know that stories need action, like things need to keep moving. Mm. But as a reader, I'm always drawn to stories that go inside the minds of characters more than um, stories with a lot of action, mm. things that are happening. So uh, for me, it's like I see a character and I sort of feel their emotion. And that's why I want to tell their story. Mm. Is there a 
common element between the characters that you find engaging? They are very, not really dark characters, but I like exploring um, kind of the conflicts of like human relationships or mm. things like that. So it always ends up being, um, even if the stories are different, it's always a character that is struggling with something, uh, with either an emotion or just a situation in which they're in. And I like to see how they develop, whether they do develop or not. Sometimes they might not develop at all, just stay stuck in that conflict, in that conflict yeah. which is, can also be very interesting to see why a person would not uh, be able to move on right. from that. Um, yeah, but they're usually, it can end up being dark. Usually I don't go towards happy endings. Uh, <laughs> I, f I think it's a, it's a common thread between a lot of writers. Yeah. Just like to torture their but it's also because like if you're talking to a friend you don't always like if if you have a very in-depth conversation you go towards um things that are bothering you exactly like that. you don't you talk don't about always, the happy-go-lucky yeah. surfacey stuff no. yeah when you're happy you're just happy and you don't really explore that you yeah. explore them maybe we should explore that. the super happy bubbly feelings also the yeah. way we explore the super dark stuff like depression and stuff like yeah that could be interesting <laughs> i mean i should definitely do that at some point <laughs> <laughs> maybe to get your mind off all the depressing stuff I do sometimes write like silly things, but that would mostly be just for me ah, just to okay. get away of it. Why? Um, I don't know. I, I also like, I don't think I have a lot of humor, even though people say I do. I'm very ironic and I use a lot of sarcasm. But that's great for, yeah, I love that. But somehow I feel like I can't do it when I'm writing. So ah, if I do I try see. something else, it would be something really sarcastic and then just like go back to my writing. But the project I'm doing now has a lot more uh, humor in it right yeah so. i'd be very interested in reading the the sarcastic bits that you don't actually want to make other people read so well maybe that'd be in another notebook maybe maybe <laughs> I, I won't be able to find it because there's just so many of them but right <laughs> the main source of inspiration for your stories are these snapshots mm -hmm. and the characters in them mostly but if you want to explore these characters isn't and just see what they do isn't it very hard to plot these kind of stories? Because half of the half of the, the struggle, I suppose, comes from seeing what these characters end up doing, right? Right. Yeah, so there's always something that needs to happen. And that's why it always takes me a lot of time to start writing. Hmm. Um, but for me, the excitement of writing is just getting inside the character's head and trying to figure out what they're doing. Um, yeah, so I guess I just, I put myself in their situation mm. and there's always something that is happening that they, they aren't just like standing in a room. Um, and I see them moving, sometimes I backtrack, I, I make them do something and then I realize that, that they would, wouldn't actually be doing that mm -hmm. because of the, how their personality is. So I change it and I go back and I do something else and I see how they react to different environments. Yes. So it is kind of like being a puppet master. Yeah, in a way. <laughs> but you're still thinking about what would the character do. A fear I have when I plot everything is that I am thinking about, okay, now this character needs to do this, whether it makes sense for the character to or right. not, right? I just need these characters to do certain things at a certain moment of time. And then I write it and I 
while writing it, these characters keep developing, and then it doesn't make any sense for the characters to do that. So I just have to throw then you most have of to my go back into exactly. And just I don't really mind doing that. I know that, for example, um, in the novel that I wrote, um, I had a big uh, plot change, and I was already like half into the story, yeah. and it was kind of scary to decide to change that. But it also made a lot of sense. And For the rest of the I stuff it, that you, yeah. once had you correct that, yeah. everything just kind of starts flowing, and um, it's also like a lot of people don't like editing their stories. They just like writing it, and then the, the, when they have to get to that part of editing it, they just find it very excruciating. Yeah. I think it's a very interesting part of writing as well. Uh, I like changing things and realizing that making those corrections and seeing that, oh, at first I thought they would do this, but actually not. Mm. And it makes me feel more in control of what I'm writing. How long does it usually take you to edit a story? Um, if I say, for example, like a 3000 word story or something right. like that, I never have like a single draft. I'm always editing as I'm writing. Oh, I see. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, it would take me maybe three days to do it. I also like I can oh, never write in 10 hours. I need like two no, hours and I mm -hmm. stop because it's very hard to be inside a character's head for that long. If I don't have a lot of action, it can mm. start getting very, I don't know, hazy. So right. I need to like get out of it. Then I come back. Is it easy for you to drop back into the character's head? Not always. Sometimes I need a lot of time. I need to reread um, what I wrote last time. Maybe that will read help the notes. You too. Yeah. Right. And then I get back to it. I still think that's pretty fast, though. I mean, short stories are very difficult to write, I'd say. Yeah. Well, it, it always depends on the story, but usually the, people might think that short stories are easier to write than novels. I'm like, not really, because you have like a very short uh, amount of time to be able to say what you want to say. Every word counts yeah. more so than it would in a novel. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You cannot go off wandering into thoughts that are not really going to be useful for the story. Itself. Exactly. And you have to like think about every single word. And say, I mean, at least for me, I think a lot about words. Um, maybe readers realize that or not. It doesn't really matter. What matters is that I know that those things are there. And maybe the reader unconsciously will pick up on that. Um, so yeah, I have to like really think about everything. That's what I love about writing. Thinking about everything. Yes. <laughs> you really enjoy diving into characters. Do yeah. you end up doing that with actual people too? I do. Yeah? I do. I often, um, I observe people a lot, like the way they move or things like that. Like in a very creepy way or in a... Not in a creepy way, but I, I realized that with my friends, um, I know exactly the kind of gestures they do that oh, kind of define right. them. Yeah. I don't do anything with it, but I just notice it. Maybe yeah. that afterwards it helps me when I'm writing for a character. Um, yeah, but I observe people a lot. I'm always trying to analyze people. I'm not a psychologist, but somehow I always oh. end up analyzing people. In a certain way, I guess writers do have this sort of... Yeah, because if you're writing about people, you must be interested. In people? In yeah, so all the people in my life, maybe I don't know that I'm writing about them, but... They'll probably read yeah, themselves in your stories. <laughs> sometimes it's explicit, sometimes not. <laughs> well, if you use their name, then it's pretty explicit. Yeah, I never use names. <laughs> so what is, what is the idea after, after graduation? 
because you have already finished a book and you're yes. trying to find a publisher for it, right? Right now I'm looking for an agent. Okay, yeah. Um, trying to see if, well, if someone contacts me um, and if not, then trying to send it out to publishers. Mm. If not, I also, I'm also interested in trying to start being maybe my own editor. Like okay. starting yeah. a career, maybe in publishing. Um, so I'm going to try to do that once I go back home in August. And for in terms of like the stories, I'm just going to keep writing. Maybe this story that I'm doing for the dissertation maybe mm. will be the second novel. Right. Um, that if the first novel doesn't pick up yet, I can start trying. Yeah, at least don't wait until that one gets picked up. And yeah, yeah. Just try sending out this one instead because sometimes the second one I mean the second thing you wrote yeah. gets picked up and then you can do something with the first thing yeah and I, f I suppose there is a lot of things you have learned from finishing the first one anyway that maybe some well I wouldn't say mistakes but I, I would say mistakes yeah. that you made in your first novel uh, that you wouldn't necessarily make in your second one yeah definitely also um, in terms of like planning the thing um, I know now how much time I need maybe yeah. to do things so that it's less scary than the first it's time. It's less daunting in a way. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I can imagine a first novel being super difficult because you had never really done that before. Yeah. But I can also imagine the second one being really difficult because you just finished one, oh no, do I have to do this again? Yeah, it is. Also, because like the first novel I had... Um, I feel like I put everything I had in oh, it, yeah. which often a lot of people do and they say it's a mistake, but I did it anyway. So um, for a long time, it was the fear of, am I ever going to have another idea? I, I don't have any stories to tell. <laughs> yeah. Which was um, a good thing about the program because I wrote a lot of short stories. Yeah. Um, it helped me see that I still have material to write about. So eventually when I found this idea for the dissertation, um, I was excited, but also relieved <laughs> mm. to so, know that there are still things in my mind that I can use. Right. What is the first the first novel you, you finished? Uh, what is that one about? It's a metafictional story. Okay. So um, the idea is that characters in the story realize that there are characters and how that will affect um, their lives. Because the, the idea is that they never have a contact with the author, but um, their lives, like the way they think of themselves changes and the way they think of their past changes as well. Because they... And then they're like, are these my own faults or are these decided by someone else? Exactly. Ah, that's cool. So it's How... very psychological. Nice. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. So uh, when, how do they realize that they're... There's this sort of like supernatural um, event that happens which kind of shows them that um the author because the, the whole thing starts with the authors not writing anymore that's what triggers them realizing that they are characters uh, their story suddenly stops yeah in a way that's cool so what about the project that you're going to be doing uh over this summer that is more of a community story, sort of um, a bunch of neighbors talking about the new person that arrived oh, in the street. 
That's why I can use a lot of sarcasm in that. Sweet, sweet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, and it's going to be told from the perspective of all these neighbors? Yes. Or yeah, from the neighbors. Are you at one point also going to talk about this one new person? She's talked about, but I never get inside her head. Okay, yeah. Which is a bit of a challenge, um, having other people talk about someone, but never having really their point of view. Um, but I think it's an exciting challenge because then I have to figure out how the other neighbors would know about things that are yeah, happening. Yeah. And probably they're gossiping about each other. And exactly. even if, if she does, does something silly, like taking out the trash and suddenly it becomes this really big thing. Yeah, yeah. It's all That's about cool. gossip and How's what sweet. it makes in a community. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Do you see this, uh, this person being talked about as your protagonist of the story? As the main I, character? I do, because I feel like I need to... Um, know a lot more about this character than the others yeah um, to understand like what she might be doing for the other neighbors to start gossiping about her hmm. um, and the main conflict kind of arises with her so yeah she is the main character even though the voice the narrator um, is the neighbors I'm very curious to uh, see how that ends up yeah, I'm it excited really, too. It sounds I don't really know interesting, yet, so I'd love to. Uh, I'd love to give it a read if you're done. Sure. Yeah. Hopefully, it's not going to be this trilogy we're talking about. No. But, uh, <laughs> but other than that, it's uh, uh, let's um, let's listen to John Reed read your uh, your story from Marvel Seed, the Beep, and uh, we'll talk about it afterwards. Okay. The Beep. By Milagros Lasarte. What is that sound that keeps her awake all night? A short beep, high-pitched sound that comes and goes with a regular pattern. Three seconds of silence and beep. She has timed the intervals because she cannot fall asleep. Whenever she finds herself at the edge, one beep step away from slumber. The beeping pulls her back. So, she lies there in bed, very still, eyes closed. She tries to determine whether the sound is coming from beep, her left ear or her right. Two hours later, she still doesn't know. It switches, or she thinks it beep does. Sometimes it seems to come from within, deep inside her head, and she wonders if that is even possible. If your brain can make you hear beep things. Things that are not there. The first morning, when her beep alarm goes off, she dresses as fast as she can and rushes outside. The walk to her office soothes her. She can't hear a thing. Or rather, the rumble in the streets replaces the beeping. Perhaps it is still there, hidden under layers and layers of city noise. As it is, she forgets about it. She forgets until she returns home to the vacant beep air of her flat. She tries to ignore it and does beep everything she usually does, but a bit louder so as to cover the sound, fool her brain into believing the beeping isn't there. And when she goes to bed, she is so beep 
exhausted, she believes her fatigue will outwit the beep. It doesn't work. She turns and turns in her bed. Left beep ear, right ear. Are you growing louder? Waves of vertigo beep strap her down to the mattress, leaving behind little beads of perspiration. But somehow, she finds the beep strength to get up. She switches the television on and sets the beep volume high enough for her to hear it from her bedroom. She focuses on that sound and eventually, hours after having first slipped under the covers, she manages to fall asleep. When the alarm goes off on the second morning, she jumps up, not entirely fresh, but ready to tackle the new day. In the shower, she even sings a song. But then she makes the mistake of turning off the television and, after three seconds of silence, her tyrant returns. Beep! The knife falls onto the table. She pauses, turns around. Is she expecting to find someone there? Hidden, perhaps? Playing a beep trick on her? She calls in sick to work. She can't beep leave until she has solved this, until she has found the source of the beeping. She beep scans her flat, standing motionless inside each room. Beep. She hears it every single time, but she can't see it. Where is the beep hiding? It could be that the beep is loud enough to be heard through the walls. So, she asks, beep, the neighbours, the ones next door, then those upstairs, if they have, beep, heard anything unusual. Anything like a beep. She isn't sure how to describe it. One has to hear it to understand. They tell her they haven't noticed a thing but will get in touch if they find something. She thanks them, but doesn't expect to hear beep from them again. If they had encountered the beep, the signs would immediately show. It is impossible to hide that little tremor of the right hand, beep, that shortness of breath. The beep invades the body slowly, first through the ears, then creeping its way to the eyes, the tongue, clouding every beep sense. As a last resort, she proceeds to check all her appliances, turning them off, then back on one at a beep time, but to no avail. So, she cuts off the electricity of the entire flat to make sure the beep is still there. Where are you coming from? with that robotic tone that makes you so unbearable, a touch so beep alien to anything I've heard before, and that metallic flavour that dribbles down my tongue. Friends come to see her, worried about her absence and beep silence. They ask her if she is sick. She can neither confirm nor deny. She tries to explain the beep to them, 
Do you hear it too? Beep. What are we supposed to be looking for? She doesn't answer. They would know if they heard it. They urge her to see a beep doctor. She tries to explain the situation again, but she lacks the right beep words to describe what is happening, what she hears. The doctor thinks she knows what the cause may be. She prescribes some medication, just something to keep her calm, and beep sends her to see a specialist. A whole week of tests and scans cannot kill the beep. With every test that denies a cause, she feels its presence growing, taking up more and more beep space, breathing her own air. Yet its consistency gives her hope. How can she hear something that doesn't exist? It is beep somewhere within her. It's only a matter of finding it, beep, of fixing her. She tells them to check again and again. They beep say it's all in her head. So she asks them to check her brain, open it up if necessary. Beep, they send her away. Not even the television can drown the sound now. The beep manages to reach her, distorting noises so as to magnify itself. She barely sleeps, for even in her dreams, the beep follows her. It likes to surprise her when someone is about to speak, and what comes out of their lips is not a word, but the beep. It hovers there like a shadow looming over a body that has now grown weak. At times, she realises she is holding her beep breath, unsure why. She cannot say what happens in all those hours she lies in her bed. It is possible she does get up, beep, maybe to drink or eat something. It doesn't really matter anymore. She feels nothing but tired and the beep that has taken a new form. It is now a sound wave that beep shakes her from within and she flinches with every new beep. The lack of sleep messes with her thoughts. She forgets things that happen and her beep brain can no longer find a chronological balance to her days. She knows time hasn't gone beep still because there are instances when the three seconds stretch and she hopes, could it be? Is it over? It should have come, but I don't hear it. Beep. The blinds in her beep bedroom are closed so as not to see how the days go by and she does nothing. It's not that beep she doesn't try but she cannot focus. If she attempts to read, the beep overwhelms her and words lose their meaning. No one comes to see her anymore. They are beep bored with what they assume is an act. They say she is exaggerating, that it cannot be that bad. Whatever it is, beep, she can learn to live with it. But she can't accept it. She cannot accept something that shouldn't beep 
B. So, she tries piecing back together that last beep day of silence, desperate to figure out if she missed something. If there was anything she could have done to prevent the beep. But the beep tells her it's useless. She should embrace it now. It chose her, didn't it? Not the beep friends she had spent that day with or her colleagues. Not any stranger she had passed in the beep streets. She cannot defy it and it takes advantage of her powerlessness, clinging to her body, to her beep existence, feeding itself on her. Over time, she becomes dependent on the sound, expecting it to be beep there, hating when it is. It now marks a tempo that she cannot beep live without. And her brain is alert, looking for the beep constantly, so that sometimes she hears it and realises she was actually beep waiting all along. Other times she sits up abruptly in her bed, opens her eyes and whispers into the darkness, Are you still there? Beep! She lies back down, satisfied. What was it like before, when there was silence? Did she make the most beep of that tranquility? Ignorance had been a treacherous friend. And she blames herself, all the while acknowledging she couldn't have beep known. She could never have guessed that her entire existence would contract into this one individual moment in time, beep, this dot in space. That they would become a unit, her and the beep. In moments of rage, a cry escapes her beep lips. What do you want? What must I do to appease you? The beeps answers are always cryptic. Beep. And as she lies still in her bed, she thinks between two beep. What if the beep only ends with my life? What if it doesn't? The beep. Yes. How would you say it? Beep. <laughs> Did John do a good job? At this, yeah. at this, this is podcast magic. Yeah. You haven't actually listened to the recording. <laughs> We're just going to stitch I that know. right in there. I, I'm going to say yes. Yeah, amazing okay. Job. It was amazing. Brilliant. No, but it's really hard to read it. So any attempt is worthy. It is worthy. Yes. Oh, that's, <laughs> I'm glad John passed that bar. <laughs> Um, what what kind of sound did you imagine the beep would sound like? Just the one that you just yeah. said out loud, or was there a specific kind of um, device or something the, that would? The sound that I heard was, I don't know the name of it, but in hospitals the machine you're hooked up on that like records the oh, heart rate. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was kind of like the pattern that I was hearing in my head. Actually, when I I was thinking about writing this story for from Martha's seat. Yeah. Um, I was in my room, it was very silent, and actually I have a ringing in my ear, 
You do have a ring yes, in your ear. Yes, so that's okay. kind of inspired on real life events, even though I, I haven't gone crazy yet. Not yet. Um, <laughs> we don't know. Whoops. Maybe in the future. This But, is some, yeah. uh, some uh, creepy foreshadowing. <laughs> I was, so it was very silent and I heard the ringing and I thought that would be an interesting thing to write about. And I had this image of a woman lying down in bed hearing not a ringing but a beep because I thought that would be even more um, disturbing. Right. Yeah. And also more distinct maybe because a ringing is something that a lot of people will have troubles with. Yeah. And I think you can more easily forget about the ringing. Exactly. If it's Whereas just some like sort of background a, yeah. thing, if it's something very distinct, as this beep just yeah. constantly bothering you. Then. And in the story, I'm, I never actually say if it's real or not. Like if the beep um, actually exists, if she actually goes crazy, you don't know. So I liked um, the idea of having the reader maybe imagining that the beep is a real thing, like science fiction maybe, something like that, mm. or just that it's really in her mind. Or maybe she has some issues like health issues. You never really know where the beep comes from. Sometimes the beeps follow sooner after one another, like yeah. more rapidly. And sometimes there's more of a distance in there. Yeah, I try to, because at the very beginning, I say that um, the beeps are separated by three seconds of silence. Mm -hmm. So I tried at first to like do that, which is kind of hard because it would mean figuring out how faster reader yeah. would read those sentences but I try to sort of like mimic what three seconds would be like in, in reading time yeah but it's it's interesting though because reading time is is different from the time experienced by your main character yeah but that was a thing um, because it it seemed to me that it would be maybe hard for the reader to understand what it feels like that's why I decided to put the beep in so that um, like the visual presence of the people when you read it out loud the fact that you can hear it it kind of takes the reader into um, the experience mm. and when you try to read it out loud it's really hard yeah and then you realize just how annoying exactly. it must be to hear that sound all the time i, I so hope people haven't just switched off the podcast just because <laughs> uh, because of all the beeps i hope so too <laughs> but it for me it was actually interesting to do that um when I tried to read it out loud, out loud and I realized that it was so hard to do it. Yeah. Um, I thought it was actually interesting to have that like physical kind of physical reaction to right. it. Like, I right. don't it does, add, to it does add an extra dimension just having someone read out or yourself reading out the, the story. Yeah. Which is something you don't necessarily see in a lot of stories, right? Yeah. So even like if you're not reading out loud, that's sometimes I put the beep um, right after like between subject and verbs that mm. I would cut up the sentence in a very awkward yeah, moment. In an ex extra awkward way. Yeah. yeah. So that when you're reading it, if you're not saying it out loud, it bothers you when exactly. you're reading it. Yeah. So, so you want it was to all make about it as making annoying a reading experience as possible. <laughs> Be uncomfortable. Yeah. Because well, otherwise it's just like there's this woman that hears a sound. Exactly. You do want to make it creepy and uncomfortable. Kind of like having a horror movie itself is not scary, but when you have that background layer of the really creepy kind yeah, of music the then sounds, suddenly it's already yeah, super everything. creepy it's the really eerie uh, adding eerie more layers to reading exactly <laughs> well it's an interesting layer to add because it's not something you would generally see in in written works yeah just having these things in brackets that are very very annoying to the main character yeah yeah so putting in italics 
the brackets, everything was like so that it would stand out. So you can also see that the beep is like taking over the story mm. as well. You mentioned that you think more, like way more about the story than is actually in the story itself, right? Yes. Can you elaborate what the outside world is in uh, in this of this particular world, the um, world of the beep? In this one, I thought what would happen after like the story ends. Okay. But I decided not to put it in. Mm. Um, cause that would take away a lot of like the, the mystery of right. the beep. Um, but I also kind of decided to forget about that. Like I had some ideas, but I did not develop them. Mm -hmm. Um, I had more of, um, the life of this woman before the beep or the friends around her, why they wouldn't uh, necessarily react the way she wanted them to like mm -hmm. understand that she's really going through a crazy experience with this beep. She should have just read it out and made them read it out loud. Yeah. So the thing was like thinking that perhaps um, she had like a past of being a bit of a hypochondriac. Mm. Uh, which sometimes you can see the moment when she's at the doctor's or things like that. Um, although the friend's reaction was like, okay, we get it. You talk about it all the time. Um, which is usually what hypochondriacs do. Mm -hmm. They talk a lot about their sickness, whether it's real or not. Well, um, generally they would feel it's real, right? They feel it's real. That was also what was interesting about the beep because it could be linked to kind of like a disease. Um, that, I mean, when you're a hypochondriac, you actually do feel the pain or whatever, yeah. but maybe it's not real. You're just imagining it or is your thoughts are creating an actual pain. Yeah. So um, I thought that was interesting to have her, I mean, at least for me, to know that she might have had that in her past, which would explain why the, the friends don't really care about it. Poor her. <laughs> at the end, she kind of goes insane. She does. Um, well, I she does, and at the same time, I'm like, could she avoid not going insane when something like that is happening? So maybe she's not, I mean, maybe she's not really insane. It all depends I mean, if on it's, whether... If it's been with her for a very, very long time, it's become part of her, I suppose. Yes. And maybe the end is not so much her going crazy, but kind of accepting, or more or less accepting the beep and... and, and just yeah, going. exactly. It's kind of like deciding whether... Um, it's if an the enemy beep or is a real, or maybe yeah. as well. if it's really there, then maybe she's not that crazy because it's a natural reaction. Right. If you have something that weird happening around you. Um, and craziness is also very subjective. Maybe there's lots of beep, beep hearing people. Just exactly. Like, just like there is. <laughs> now they will all talk about their experiences. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And they will get together in these circles and about the beep exactly <laughs> no, 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 that's the wrong, beep. exactly you have a real wrong pitch no mine is actually kind of like having a group of colorblind people and then just yeah. saying like no no no, that's not red <laughs> no but it is red to me exactly maybe she's not crazy i don't want to you don't want to spoil I don't it say I'm, that, anything. I'm i want the reader to interpret it the way they exactly want. that's also what, not why i'm gonna force you to uh, to give the definitive answer we'll just stick to that Anyway, um, thanks so much for dropping by. Thank Amy. you.
for this lovely uh, conversation. Yes, <laughs> thank you for that. And uh, I'll definitely read more of your stuff in the future. Great. Look forward to seeing your books get published. Exactly, published. Definitely. Exactly. <laughs> that's not the goal, that's just what's going to happen. Cool. Take care. The From Arthur Seat podcast was produced by me, Wester Wagener, with the help of Megali Roman and Merel de Beer for 2019's From Arthur Seat anthology. Story excerpts were read by John Reed. Special thanks to Jack Taylor. From Arthur Seat 2019 is launching on the 8th of May. You can visit us at fromarthurseat.com. Thank you for listening. <laughs>